Good morning, Church on the Rock. Hey, man, my name is Rashad Cunningham. I am the one of the pastors here. I'm the cool pastor here. Uh, the other one's not here to defend himself. Right, I'm the present pastor here. <laughs> um, we do that good morning. Devil's been really trying, you know, knocking at my door, trying to get inside my house, trying to get inside my life. So I need your energy as much as you need mine. So if y'all whisper good morning, Church on the Rock, then I'm going to whisper this sermon. If y'all get loud, then I'm going to try to keep that same energy. Amen. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Amen. So, hey, we are finishing up the Keep That Same Energy series. Uh, before we get started, before we open this up, I want to I give all this over to God. This is a heavy sermon. Uh, it was very heavy in the first service, but I've gotten so much feedback already. Like, it's been blowing up with feedback. So I'm, I'm excited to see what God does for the second time around. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you for um, revealing yourself in your word. Uh, move me out the way, God. Uh, put me in a position to just be a vessel that's used and empty, Father, empty for you to use. Um, overflow, Father, uh, your message outside of me. Uh, the time I've spent with you this week has been so convicting, so challenging. It's stepped on my toes in so many ways. It's, it's hurt me in so many ways. And, and yet um, I've come out better on the other side as a result. So I'm asking you to do the same thing this morning for the loved ones who are inside this room, who are under, under the sound of my voice, Father. I'm asking that you challenge and change people, that you convict and convert those who don't know you, Father, um, and that you encourage us, but yet edify us, Father. Uh, move us to actually respond to the message of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, keep that same energy. We, we've had three weeks of reading out of Acts and learning about the New Testament church, the basic church, and now we are closing out this series. I didn't know where to go, so I prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally on Wednesday, uh, God landed me in the book of James. So we're going to be in the book of James. Uh, I'm going to be reading verses 18 through 25 in the book of James, and um, I'm starting in 18 because it just gives some context, but I'll mainly be in the 19 through 25 area. So starting with the verse, it says, in the exercise of his will, his being God, God, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to start at verse uh, 19. Um, just, yeah, going back to verse 19. He says, this you know, my beloved brethren. And I want to stop right there with the beloved brethren. See, a lot of times Christian folks come inside of a church. And as soon as we get the sermon started, they're thinking about everybody in their life who's not a believer and they're wanting to point fingers and say, oh, this is for that person, this is for my coworker, this is for my family member. 
Well, I want to give you context of this verse. This you know, my beloved brethren. In other words, believers. So what you're about to hear, the gospel involved, all that good stuff. But don't be sitting here thinking of everybody else you can think of except for yourself. All right? I don't want nobody pointing fingers and, you know, glancing over like, mm-hmm. Don't be looking at your spouse and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't want none of that. I want you thinking about yourself because we're closing this series out, and this is a this is a this is a bring it home sermon right here. So this is for the beloved brethren as I'm speaking uh, and unpacking this. He says, "But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger." Now I've read and even preached this passage a gazillion times, and when I looked at it this week, I asked God to reveal Himself in a way I've never really saw it from a perspective and, and whatnot. And I thought about my wife. I thought about when I first met my wife. Anybody remember when they first met their spouse, when they first start dating their spouse and all that, right? You, you are so quick to listen to everything they say, right? You're like, you you want to know more about them, right, Shola? Like, you're like, I, I, like tell me more about you. I just want to know more about you. I want to learn more about you. I used to sit on the phone with my wife, and she'd fall asleep, and I just wanted to hear how she breathed on the phone and and the whole, what are you laughing about, Larry? You ain't been there? I used to, what are you trying to say, Larry? I used to do the whole, no, you hang up. No, you hang, no, you hang up type stuff, right? Like, that was me. I, all, all I wanted to do was hear more about her because she was prominent in my life. She was a priority in my life. I wanted to know more about her, so I shut up. Y'all know I talk a lot, right? I shut up because I, I want to hear what she has to say to me. And when things didn't agree with, like, how I felt about certain things, I wouldn't, I didn't just get angry about it and oh, I don't see how she could see it that way because I wanted it to work. I wanted the relationship to increase. I wanted the intimacy to, the intimacy to, recre- uh, to increase. So I was quick to listen to everything she had to say so I could learn more about her, so I could learn how to please her better, how to be a better husband. I was quick to listen, to learn these things, to go into a deeper intimacy in our relationship. And when I see this, I immediately think of God, right? Like, you just got finished singing, all my hope is in Jesus. But you don't want to listen to this Jesus. Right? This is what it's talking about. If all your hope is in Jesus, if Jesus is everything that we say he is, beloved brethren, then why are you so quick to tell him what you think about a situation? Why are you so quick to tell him how you feel instead of being quick to listen to his word and how he feels. If, if, if the Bible is really truth, believers, beloved brethren, then, then why are you so quick to give your opinion? That doesn't even add up. Father, I believe your word is truth, but here's what I feel. Father, I believe your word is truth, but this is how I feel on the subject. And this, we, we see it today more than ever, right? But the Bible says be quick to hear. My first point, I need you to keep reverent and righteous. Keep reverent and righteous. See, my wife, when she was reverent in my life, I did what was right by her. Because she was reverent. She's, she's, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I can marry her. I'm trying to get, so I'm doing everything I can to get to the I do. And she's reverent, and I'm trying to be righteous. But 10 years later, I'm arguing with her every time I get a chance. She ain't in here, so I can say a whole lot more than I did first service. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, 
why, why does things change? I get comfortable, then all of a sudden I want to tell her how she feels? No, you don't really mean that. What do you mean I don't mean that? I know you. You don't know me better than me. Yes, I do. I, I've lost that reverence for her, right? So now I want to tell her how she feels. I, I don't want to do it her way. I want her to just understand and conform to my ways. Well, this is how we get with God. When we first come to Christ and we believe in the gospel, he died for my sins. His word is true. The answers are right there. I'm all in on God. I'm all in on God. Whatever you say, Father, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to do it. Yes, yes. Ten years into your walk, and you're like, eh, surely the Bible doesn't say that. You literally become like Satan himself. And this is funny. We see it today. I told you guys when you ordained me, I will never tiptoe around Scripture. Right, Adam? That was a long time ago. I said, I'll never tiptoe around with Scripture. I won't go looking for nothing, but I won't tiptoe. Well, here's the thing. We see this with the abortion talk of today. Now, I'm not going to tiptoe around it. I'm just going to tell you what the word says. You don't like the messenger. You don't like him. But here's the thing. We, we say, I should be able to do what I want with my body. It's my body. I should be able to choose to do whatever I want with my body because I feel. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not really worried about how you feel as much as I am about what God said. Well, here's what happens. But Rashad, you don't understand. What if somebody's raped and gets pregnant? Surely God, right? Surely God wouldn't want me to have this child that came from such a sinful situation. God, the God I believe in wouldn't want that child or for, to put that burden on me. Without being insensitive, I want to bring you back to the word so that you can listen. But if you say God wouldn't want the child to be born that was, a, that was conceived as a result of rape, because that's a sin and that's hurtful and damaging and all those things, then let's come over here. And what about those who are having sex outside of marriage who get pregnant? I mean, it's still sin, right? So if I got to ask some questions to the beloved brethren. Is God the author of life and death? Yes. Does the Bible say he fearfully and wonderfully made you in the womb? Does the Bible say in Jeremiah that he knew you before he formed you in the womb? And even earlier in this verse, the Bible says every good thing is from above. So I say, I know how you feel, right? I understand how you feel. But your feelings doesn't make abortion right. Understand what I'm saying? That, that I, and I know that's something we're supposed to tiptoe in. Oh, if you say that, they're going to leave the church. I, I don't care. I'm worried about what he said, not how I feel. And this is coming from somebody who's been through some experiences, who's been through some experiences where I felt some type of way but still had to be quick to listen, not slow. I mean, yeah, quick to listen, not quick to speak. See, too many of us are quick to speak. We want to tell everybody how we feel. We want to tell God how we feel instead of listening to the word of truth. This is important. You have to keep him reverent even when it disobeys you and disobeys your beliefs. And dis what does the word of God say? You see how this works? And this opens up this entire section because you start finding out what you really feel about the word of truth. See, 
Being a Christian is all hunky-dory when everything's going your way. It's so easy to be a Christian when it's the cool thing to do. But the moment it goes against you, then you want to shake your fist at God and you're quick to not only speak what you feel, but then you're quick to get angry. You see that? Now I'm mad. Now I can't receive anything from him because I'm upset about it. This is what happens. So James understands this and says, hey, hey, you must. Go back to the verse for me in 19. He says, you must be quick to hear. Because you, you're like this, up and down. It depends. Everything depends on the situation. One moment you're all in on what God says, but then when it doesn't agree with you, you're all out on what God says. So you can't go off of what you feel or what you want to say or what stirs you up. You have to go off of his truth. That doesn't change. It doesn't change. I, I was saying, if, 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 if me and Dave were walking down the B&O trail and there was, a, there was a kid in front of us, say like a, a, a kid, like a 12-year-old kid walking in front of us, and five 15-year-olds came down and just whooped them, just whooped them. And we, and me and Dave, who were able to do something, just keep walking by. Is, is that just? Is that the just thing to do? No, it's not the just thing to do. In, in, in fact, they would say, well, how could you be so heartless and just walk by and not do anything about it? They were beating on that kid and all that. But this is what we do. We look at God the same way and say, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I need you to turn your turn a blind eye to this right now and not do nothing about it. I need you to give me grace when it's something in regards to me disobeying you, but, but not when it's something in regards to them disobeying you. This is what it looks like. And, and I'm saying that just shows you how hot and cold we are in all situations when the truth stays the same. So James says, I need you to be quick to listen to the word of God, slow to speak your feelings, and slow to get angry when it doesn't agree with you. Why? Next verse. The next verse says, because for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, we got to be careful with that word righteousness. Some people see the word righteousness and they immediately think you're standing before God. I'm going to teach a little bit right here. So if you're taking notes, take good notes right here. So righteousness, the word righteousness, right standing is a good way of, uh, of defining that word. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay, he died for your sins. Got it? You were a sinner, and there's nothing you could do about it. Christ died for your sins, took the penalty, satisfied God's wrath because it's just. Okay, satisfied his wrath, was raised from the grave, and when you believe in that death and that resurrection, you are justified before God for that right there. So in other words, if you die today and you're a believer, you can stand before God justified. It's called justification, meaning you have the righteousness of Christ, not yours, but the righteousness of Christ covers you. You know when they say I'm covered in the blood? It's because God does not see you. He sees his son when he sees you, all right? That's justification. That is part of salvation. But there's another part of salvation called sanctification. This part of salvation is the day-by-day day life you go through where God is pruning you and preparing you for the kingdom. Okay? You have justification, sanctification, which is your entire life. And then when you are standing before God, you are glorified. You're in glorification. Those are the three steps of salvation, per se, right? So, when you believe, yes, you are justified. 
You are in right standing. You have the righteousness of God. You are in right standing with God. But you still live here, and you have to be made right in a sense. A great example, my brother uh, Andre. When we adopted Andre at 14, the moment we signed the piece of paper, he's a Cunningham. That day, he was a Cunningham. But it took almost two years for him to stop smoking the weed, stop cussing and everything else, because this is where he came from. This is all he knew. This was his old life. It took two years of sanctification before he lived like a Cunningham under the Cunningham rules in the Cunningham house. But he was a Cunningham the day we signed the paper. Does that make sense? In the same way, the day you believe in Christ, you belong to God. You belong to God. But then there's this process called sanctification where he's pruning you, where he's, he's conforming you to the image of his son. And it's a lifelong process. Well, People try to use this and say, achieve the righteousness of God means you have to earn your right standing of God. But you don't earn your salvation. So we're not achieving salvation here. It's achieving the lifestyle, the standard that God has for you. Righteousness, the right lifestyle, the right standard, the moral standard God has for you is not achieved by anger. And you know this if you know anything about the Bible. It says love your enemies, right? Why? Because that's the standard of God. How do we know that's the standard of God? You were his enemy. What did he do? While you were enemies, Christ died, right? He loved you while you were an enemy. So that's his standard. That is God's standard to love his enemy. So he looks at you and says, if you're going to be holy, set apart, like I'm holy, then you need to love your enemy. Anger doesn't achieve that. You see it? Love your spouse. Even when they're disobedient to the word. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Even when she's getting on your last word, nerves. Don't, don't exasperate the kids. Like all these things that go against the culture are the standard for God. And if you, re, if you actually are listening and not saying, well, Adam, it's the wife you gave me. I would do what you told me to do, God, but it's the wife you gave me. It's the husband you gave me. That's our excuse. But God don't care about your feelings. I didn't tell you love your husband or love your wife only when they're treating you good. I didn't tell you be faithful to your spouse only when they're doing right. That's the word of God. But this is, this is how you respond. You're quick to speak. Well, God, you just don't understand. He just... He just don't do it for me like he used to. What? It, it just ain't the way it used to be. I, I'm just not in, I'm not in love anymore. I just don't feel like I'm, no, 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 no. I, I didn't tell you any of that. You quick to speak. Then you get angry, right? You get mad. You like, now I'm mad because the word of God goes against what I feel. <laughs> and this is why he says be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow. I mean, yeah, slow to speak, slow to anger. The anger of man does not achieve the end goal. It doesn't achieve the righteousness, the right standing, the, the lifestyle you're supposed to be living so that you win others over. So after that, to keep reverent, to keep righteous, go to the next verse for me. Uh, keep removing and receiving. Therefore, putting aside all, Jason, keep up with me, man. <laughs> Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So now my next point is this. My next point is this. Keep removing and keep receiving. So this is, the, this is the ideal that they have. Has anybody ever fell in a septic tank? Exactly. Everybody look at me like I'm crazy. 
what, what's the face you would make if you did fall in a septic tank? Like, and I'm talking like if a septic tank was down at the Colts Stadium where everybody is kind of came, and you were in there and you just fell. I don't know why you'd be in there in the first place, but you fell in the septic tank. There's, there's two types of people that respond to falling in the septic tank. You got the ones who would take their clothes off, wash them and try to salvage them, and you got the ones who'd be like, mm-mm, burn them, <laughs> burn them, right? When we go to this verse here, in Acts, uh, I mean, excuse me, in James 1.21, he says, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. This has got an idea of taking off clothes that are soiled with like feces. You see what I'm saying? Uh, an abundance, that word there for remains of wickedness, that means super overabundant feces on your clothes, right? Okay, so you would take those off. How many of you would just wash them and hold on to the clothes? message. No, no, I'm not going to watch mine. That's on you. Don't, don't try to blame it on me. That's you. That's you. I ain't, no, I'm just trying to see who's doing it. The majority, everybody in here would burn them, right? Like, I'm never wearing those clothes again. Well, this is what James is looking at you saying. Hold on, hold on. You have the word of truth. You received the gospel. You know who you were. You know what you fell in and what you was rolling around in and you still wearing those clothes? Anger is those clothes. Lust is those clothes. All these things. This is the filthiness he's talking about. Take that stuff off. Burn it. Don't wash it to put it back on. Take it off. Get some new clothes. You don't put that back on, right? Nobody raised their hand. But yet, you're all spiritually raising your hand every time you keep getting angry, getting upset, and all these other things, you're spiritually putting those clothes right back on that you've been instructed to take off. He says, remove those clothes. Some of you are so committed to the clothing and not committed to being clean. What are you holding on to from your past? What, does the outfit look that good? Is it? Trust me, what you think is fashionable is filthy, <laughs> flat out. But you're holding on because it goes against what you want to do. It all goes back to that whole, this is just who I am. This is how God made. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Take those clothes off. They're filthy. They're wicked. Remove them and put on Christ is what he's saying. So he says, hey, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. So after you put it off, so you removed, I need you to keep removing all the nasty stuff off of you, but also keep receiving all the good stuff from God. Here's the thing. Humility is the key word right there. Most, uh, most and I'm going to pick on the man real quick. Most times when there's problems in a marriage, you need to do marital discipleship. We don't call it counseling here. We call it discipleship. Uh, but most times I can't get the couples to meet with me because the men are like, I don't need no man telling me what to do. I know how to run my house. I'm fine. Da, 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 blah, 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 blah. And so, and so, and, and women do it too, all right? The women do it too. But what I'm saying is this, it's a lack of humility. You already know it all. You already got it down. The Bible says this, the Bible says that. You know what the Bible says, so you don't want to meet with me. Too prideful. You know it all. You got it all. So you, you don't have a, a, a receiving spirit or a teachable spirit, Period. 
And, and, and so what happens is you, you go all the way back to the beginning. You're quick to speak, quick to anger, because you don't want to hear nothing from nobody else. And like I said, it's men and women. This is across the board. And this is not just for marriages. This is for every area of your life. Why do we always scream judgment when the pastor says you can't do that? Because it goes against what we want to do. Now I'm angry. Now I'm speaking quickly. You're judging me. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm telling you what the word of God says. And it goes against what you want to, what you want to do or what you want it to say. So, so when I do that, then I'm judging or I'm a Bible thumper. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm doing exactly what you technically pay me to do, pastor. But this is what happens when we lack humility. We're not teachable. We don't want to hear nothing. All it is is I feel, I feel, I believe, I feel. And when you come to me, I'm going to say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. That's all I'm going to do. I ain't going to give you my opinions. My opinions is jacked up. I'm constantly telling God, man, if I was ruling the world, So I need, you to, I need you to keep removing yourself and keep receiving him. It says that it's the word implanted. So this is how you continue to be reminded he's talking to believers. He's speaking to believers. He's looking at you and saying, if you believe, if the word has been implanted in you, literally planted, if there's a seed, then it, it'll grow. Larry, if I gave you some seeds, told you to go plant them, they apple seeds, and you planted them, and you came back with some oranges, you're going to look at me real suspect, right? You're like, bro, I thought these was apple seeds. They was. These ain't apples. These is oranges, right? It, it don't make sense. So, so if that word is implanted in you and you've actually received, or as the Greek actually says, accepted, accepted it, then, then it's going to produce something, right? And I'll take us right into our next point. All right, give me the next point right there, uh, Jason. Keep revealing and reflecting. So if you're receiving the word, actually accepting the word, then it's going to reveal something in your life. Right, ladies? Right? Like, like if, if, I, if you tell me that something, yeah, you pl- oh, you don't like this, do you? This is very uncomfortable, right? All right, well, I'm going to pick on you real quick. All right? If, if, I, if I give you something, like I told him, and it's a seed, and I say, this is a, let's just pick watermelon, all right? It's a watermelon seed, and you put it, I don't even know how watermelons grow, but you put it in the ground, <laughs> I think, and grapes come out. Don't know if that works either. You're going to be like, that was not a watermelon seed, right? Why? Why? It didn't grow watermelons. Go to my next verse. This is what, this is what James is saying. Prove yourselves doers of the word that's supposed to be implanted in you. You We've been doing this series for how many weeks? Three weeks, right? Keep that same energy. I asked you in week one, be devoted daily to reading the word. How many of y'all doing that? Y'all want to raise your hands? Okay. Overachievers. No, I'm just playing. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. I asked you daily to be praying. How many of y'all doing that? Still not the majority. Still not the majority. Okay, okay. I asked you daily to be gathering with people in this church that you don't know. How many of y'all doing that? See what I'm saying? So, like, like, let's just keep it real. This is every church in America. This is not just Church on the Rock. But here's the thing. Three weeks, keep that same energy. Pastor, great sermon. Pastor, great sermon. Convicted me, hit me, blah, 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 blah. Okay, do it. Do it. 
I tell people every time on Facebook, oh, man, I love your Facebook. I'll be following every, I'll be like, stop liking it. Live it. Stop liking my posts. Live them. Because hitting the like button ain't doing nothing. When it says receive the word and plant it, it means accept it by showing that you're going to do it. This is what it looks like. It's not enough to just listen. Listening and hearing is not, that's why it says merely hear. Yes, we want you to be quick to listen. We want you to listen to the word of God. You need to listen to the word of God. But if that's all you're doing, if you're just merely listening, then what, is that, what does that mean? So, so this, this came to my mind last service, and it hit me in the middle of preaching. I used to get drunk, like super drunk. I was an alcoholic. And as I was drinking, I would say and think things on a Saturday night, toasted, wasted, completely gone. I would say a whole bunch of stuff to people, think a whole bunch of stuff in my mind, and then come Monday morning, Tuesday, I couldn't tell you what I said, couldn't tell you what I was thinking, I definitely wasn't doing any of it. A lot of us spiritually are just like that. You, you, you're Sunday sermon sippers. That's all you do. On Sunday morning, you come in here, Remind me to never have these two working together, ever. <laughs> For those on the podcast, we have a picture of Kevin Hart sipping. <laughs> Leah, put, use that for the picture instead, all right? Hey, but no, seriously, here we go, here we go. A lot of us are Sunday sermon sippers, just like this. You're sitting down in the chair, and you're excited to just sip on this sermon. And then you get this little Bible buzz, right, where you amening and hallelujah, you agreeing with me on everything I'm saying, and that is so good, mm-hmm, yep. And you thinking about all the things you're going to change in your life, and come Wednesday, you ain't remember none of it. Because you were just intoxicated with the message on Sunday. It's just the way I said it. Had a little bit of alliteration, it, maybe it rhymed, maybe it was an acronym, Yo, that was cute. Yeah, that was good. I'm going to change my life for that. And then Wednesday, you can't even tell me what I said. You're listening, but you ain't doing nothing. This is, this is where the, the hypocrite stigma comes from. We come in here, and we invite people in here, and they sitting right next to us, and, and they hear us saying amen because we're trying to impress our friends like we really know what he's talking about. And then they see us on Wednesday, and they looking at you like, well, I remembered. Why are you doing that? Oh, girl, that was Sunday. It's a new day. But this is, this is where he's at. Go back to my verse, Jason. Uh-huh, look what you did. Uh-huh. You don't see? Playing around. Ain't this your first week on slides? <laughs> Try, right. Thank you. Yes. If you can see that, look, you can't just stay there. Just stay. There you go. There you go. But prove yourselves doers of the word. That, look, so I need you to see this. You're not doing it for an audience, okay? When I'm asking you to live out these verses, you're not doing it for an audience. You're doing it for your assurance. Prove yourself. You. You ain't got to prove nothing to me. I'm not God. And God already knows. So this is for you. This, this, is, this is strictly for you. Don't you want the assurance? 
Don't you not, don't, don't you want to be able to boldly stand before God? Like, I, I know I have a relationship with you. I know, Jesus, you can come whenever you want to come. Don't you want that boldness where you ain't scared of nothing in the world? Because you like the worst you can do is take my life. And if you take my life, you just put me in, in, in the uh, place of my father. You just put me with my father. Don't you want that? Well, you'll never have that peace if you ain't doing none of it. Because you'll never know if you really got something going on inside of you. This breaks me. This absolutely breaks me. This is where, the, where Jesus says, uh, they, they say, Lord, Lord, and he says, I never knew you. <laughs> and, they're, and they're surprised. They're like, but didn't I preach your word? Didn't I go? And he's like, no, <laughs> we never had a relationship. It wasn't real. You were just a listener. You were just a hearer. You weren't really doing anything. That's where this comes in. Be a doer of the word. The word doer in the Greek is where we get our word poet from. Be a creator from the word. Let the word make you create something. That's where we get the word poet from and poetry and things like that. He's saying, like, make something with the word. If it really means something to you, then make something with it. I, I challenge myself weekly as I'm studying. Long before I get here on a Sunday, on Friday, Saturday, right around that area, I get out and try to do something with, with, with what's been placed on my heart. Um, this one was talking about being slow to anger, being slow to speak. So I tried to shut up all weekend. <laughs> I tried to do things without getting upset and mad. I wanted to, I, God, I want to know that I'm actually receiving what you're saying inside of me. I want to actually see it working inside of me. So I'm going to put myself in positions that test and examine so that I can be assured of this, that you're still at work inside of me. And this is what it means to be a doer of the word. I mean, it's the proper response. The proper response, if you actually believe it, then do it. We've been saying all week, belief births behavior, all year. <laughs> so he says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves, who teach falsely to themselves. The greatest false teacher in your life is you. Remember that. The greatest false teacher in your life is you. All because of the word. You're the one telling yourself what goes against God's word? It's you. You, you. you know right from wrong. You know love your enemy, right? But you're like, mm-mm, because of this situation, I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to love. I'm not going to do. Nobody else told you to do that. That's you. You're deluding yourself. You're literally giving false doctrine to yourself. And then you want to blame the, the enemy or the church or the pastor or whatever else you want to blame because you don't want to face the fact that you've been teaching yourself falsely, not us. It's that simple. He says, prove yourselves doers of the word, not your feelings. Prove yourselves doers of the word, not what the pastor said necessarily. I'm preaching. Go back, read it for yourself. Make sure it's the word and then do it. Maybe you don't believe me on a Sunday morning. That's cool. Go home and read it. Is that my time? Who's telling me? Uh-huh, I'm going to get you. All right, so I'm, 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 I'm going, I'm going, let's go. All right, James 1, 23, next verse. So look at this. He goes and he says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Keep going. And then for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So, so it's also reflecting. Like, y'all remember in high school, I, I had a pimple on my nose one day, like a big, eye on my nose, right? And, and when, I, when the pimple was on my nose in high school, I was so worried about it 
and how big it had gotten, and I had tried to pop it and all that good stuff, and all, yeah, I know, it's just nasty, right? Just, ugh. So I lied to my mama and told her I was sick because I was so worried about how I looked, I didn't want to go to school with this big eye on my nose. I knew I was going to get roasted, right, Dave? Somebody going to get me, right? Now as an adult, I'd be like, whatever, man, you know, I see myself, and I move on to the next step. And this is kind of what he's saying. He's like, we should be more like the high schoolers who are so concerned with the way they look that they're willing to not go to school until it gets right. But instead, we're more like the adults who just don't care. We walk into Walmart looking like whatever, right? Like, I don't care. <laughs> Y'all seen them posts, right? So, so, <laughs> so, so this is what happens. So this is what happens. He says, you've forgotten what you look like. You need to keep looking in that mirror. I mean, do you really believe the word of God when it says you were disgusting to God? You, you, I know you think you cute. You ain't cute. You were disgusting to God. You were covered in sin. Everything about you, you were a filthy tampon. Isaiah 64, 6. Yeah, I said it. He said it, actually. I'm just giving it to you. That's what you look like to God. Your righteous deeds were filthy maxi pads. That's what you were. Think, can, can you image that? Can you, can, you, can you see that right now, right? That's used. Used. Filthy, disgusting. Have you forgotten what you looked like before Christ? Have you forgotten what you looked like before Christ? You ever seen those couples in the mall where, like, the, the woman is extremely attractive and the dude is, like, jacked up, and you like, how did he get her, right? All right, uh, or, or, the, or the guy is really attractive and the woman is jacked up and it's like, how did she get him? Well, Christ is beautiful. He's, he's flawless. And we are busted and disgusted. And he chose you. And he chose you. And because of him, you look good. Like, every time I take a picture of Brittany, I'm like, they liking that picture because of you. They ain't doing it because of me. Because you look good. And I'm going to always remember that. Like, think about this. You, your, your righteous deeds to God was a filthy menstrual rag. Isaiah 64, 6. But because of Christ, when you believe in Christ, you are a beautiful bride. Think about that. See, you get on your high horse of knowing you're the beautiful bride and you forgot what you looked like. So now you ain't hearing God no more. You want to tell him how you feel. Now you're getting mad when the things that make you beautiful, according to the word, go against what makes you filthy. This is, this is the way we live. This is the way we respond to the text. So he says, anybody who doesn't do it, once he's looked at the mirror and gone away, you've immediately forgotten what kind of person you were. You've forgotten it. You're listening to these sermons week after week after week, and ain't nothing changing. You're convicted on Sunday morning, but you could care less on Wednesday because you've forgotten what you look like. This is why people don't want to sit down in counseling because I, I put the Bible in front of you and say, look at yourself. That's all I do. I, I'm not going to tell you how I feel about it. I'm going to say, this is what God thinks about what you're doing. But don't nobody want to sit in front of that. Don't nobody want to sit in front of that because that's going to remind you of what you actually look like. So I say keep reflecting. Keep revealing who you are in Christ and keep reflecting on who you were so that you remain in who you are. And then finally, keep remaining and keep remembering. That's my last point. Keep remaining and keep remembering. I can't see a time. Oh, I can now. I guess I ain't got no excuse. All right, my fault. 
All right, keep remaining and keep remembering. All right, so James 1.25, this is how we're going to close it out. And the worship team can start working their way up here. It says, but one who looks intently, so like stoops down and actually looks in, it's kind of like looking into the tomb. One who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, so remains in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, so remembering, this is the man who is blessed, and this is kind of where we close it out right here. Um, this past week, my Wi-Fi went out on, um, on Wednesday. I had a, uh, it showed that I had a connection, right? Like the little bars that show the Wi-Fi is full. It showed I have a connection, but there was no performance. <laughs> Every time I went to get to like ESPN, YouTube, HBO, whatever, like I couldn't, there was no performance. It showed that my Wi-Fi was full, James, but like there was no performance. Nothing popped out. When I hit enter, it was like no connection. So I'm like, man, that's crazy because it's showing that my Wi-Fi is full. It's showing that it's working, but there's no performance. So I don't care what it's saying, what it's showing, it's not performing. This is a church. Everybody's saying they connected. But ain't nobody performing. Do y'all know we pretty much back to the same numbers we were at the beginning of the year in terms of serving? Everybody rah, rah, rah for three months, and then as soon as two months go by, we're back to saying we're connected but not serving. Do you know over the summer people don't just vacate physically? They vacate spiritually. It's like, hey, it's summertime. Now we can sin for two months and get back on track in August <laughs> when school's back in. Like, this is how we do it. Like, and I'm not saying you need to be in this church every Sunday and I won't even be here every Sunday over the summer. But this is why the day-to-day is so important. We've been preaching, keep the same energy, but my question is, who's actually going to do it? Have we just wasted a month? Have we just wasted a month of sermons? Am I going to have to preach this again in two weeks? (laughs) Because we still are not convicted enough to actually do something? This is what James is talking about. And as we get ready to sing the song, So Will I, I want you to hear the words of um, oh, look at the words. He, he talks about creation, right? He talks about how how the wind obeys, how the mountains bow. <laughs> he talks about he talks about creation that is basically showing the world that they belong to him in how they perform. God says, "Blow west," and the wind obeys. It doesn't say, why west? <laughs> it blows west. The, God says, water moves this way and it moves that way. And all of creation obeys except for human beings. The prize of his creation. So, I'm asking you to join in. Like, today. This isn't a diet. This isn't a New Year's resolution. I'm asking you to join in today and take everything we've had from this last four weeks and actually do something. If you couldn't raise your hand from reading every day, be able to raise it next week. If you couldn't raise your hand for praying every day, be able to raise it next week. I mean, these are changes you can make. And if you really believe that that Christ, that Christ died for you, the least you can do is live for him. That's what the so will I mean.
if all these other things in existence obey you, and I'm your prized creation, me, then, then so will I. I will obey too. Obey by doing what your word says. So stand up with us and we'll sing this song.
message and you allow it to actually transform you. Um, the one who never leaves the one behind. That's the part that got me last service. That's the part that got me this service. I can't explain to you how many people wanted to leave me behind. Um, for good reasons. For all reasons that I, I created on my own. And yet, um, he died for me. Um, so as a result of believing that word of truth, as, as a result of actually believing that he, he died for me, uh, that he didn't leave me behind, um, not only do I want to live for him, but I don't want anyone else to be left behind. So I, I serve and live according to his word because he told me that it was the gospel, it was the word of Christ, the message of Christ that, that makes sure others won't be left behind. And I give it everything I have for that reason. So I'm, I'm asking that you believe that. Those of you who are the beloved brethren, that you believe that. And those of you who are not, this is why we gather. This is why we're here. We want you to understand. It's, it's not to stump, to separate, to any of that. We actually want to live in a way that is attractive to you so that you're not left behind according to what we believe in the word of God. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. behind through your son Jesus Christ there's a lot of graves father that many of us are still holding on to just dead situations father that we won't leave behind that we won't just take off as you said in your word 
Father, I'm asking, Lord, as we heard the message today, we put off all filthiness, all wickedness, all graves, to take on the life that your son has offered us, and that we humbly just receive it, Father, not mad about what doesn't agree with us, knowing that you, Father, your ways are not our ways, but your ways are the perfect ways. Father, I'm asking that somebody in this room is touched to the core, Father, and transformed as a result of your word. I'm asking there's lives in this room right now that are changing as we speak, hearts that are surrendering as we speak, Father, that want to just imitate what creation has already given us an example of and just, just be the sober lives of this community, Father. Loving in a way that makes no sense, Father, Surrendering in a way that makes no sense, Father, because we honestly believe in what your word says and want to be doers, not merely hearers. I confess, Father, I've come up short. I confess on behalf of the ones in here for coming up short, but we are ready to change that. Thank you for another day to get it right. Bless us with many more that we may serve and glorify your name. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You guys have a blessed week. Church on the Rock, BB.com.